Welcome to Dayspring Fellowship. I'm Chris Voigt, and I lead the pastoral team here at Dayspring. It means a lot to us that you've decided to make this service a part of your spiritual rhythm today. Whether you're live in the room with us, watching online, or at some point in the future. If you are just visiting, this is the kind of place that anyone can call home. If you are curious about church, this is a safe place to check out the claims of Jesus. It's a great place to have doubts and questions about spirituality. If you followed Christ your whole life, this is the kind of place that cares about your spiritual journey. We are committed to helping you grow. You can learn more about us as a church by exploring our website at dsf.church, by checking out our Facebook page, or contacting us by phone or email. If you need help figuring out the next step to making Dayspring your church home, or if you just have questions, please let us know. We'll help you find the answers. For today's service, you can find study questions in the resources section of our website. And now, let's join our service. I was recently in a situation where a loved one was dying. And unfortunately, this is not a foreign situation for me. I have had the blessing to be in the presence of passing loved ones many times, many times. So many, in fact, that my daughter and I were talking just this week about how death has become normal for our family. So much so that when my sister passed this last March, I didn't take the time to grieve my loss. Partly because I'd grieved the loss of much of who she was when she had a massive stroke 25 years ago. But now we were losing her again. All of her is gone. And it was a strange kind of grieving situation. During the last few weeks of her life, I was busy caring both for her and for my extended family. And when she passed, I just went back to work and plugged along. And I didn't even realize that my unresolved grief was affecting me until, well, until I was really struggling and having a hard time with everything. Her passing was on top of several other significant losses within the same year. Again, we're kind of used to that, so we press on. I mean, life has to go on, work has to be done until, well, until you can't. Until you feel like you're just going to lose it. And it begins to take a toll emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Postponing grief is unhealthy on all fronts. It isn't necessarily intentional. We, we just don't know how to go about it. Other times, it is intentional. If I just ignore these feelings, maybe they'll just go away. Well, they won't. They may lay under the surface for a season, but they'll come back. And the longer we ignore or postpone them, the longer it will take for us to get healthy. Postponing grief keeps us from the process of growth, of sanctification, which is what we're going to talk about today. This is our sixth out of eight messages on how to get through 
what you're going through. We've received a lot of feedback through this series, and we are diving deep into the healing journey. We love that. We are all about growth here. And if you're just joining us for the first time, please check out our website and watch the rest of the messages in, in, in this series. You'll find them on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. And we've been talking about stages of grief such as shock and sorrow and struggle and surrender, and here we are at sanctification, changing and growing through our challenges. Sanctification is just a big word for the process of changing from who we are today to becoming more and more like Christ. It's the process of becoming like Jesus. And notice I said process. It's, it's the journey, not the arrival. And we talk about spiritual growth all the time around here because we care about it and God cares about it. Sanctification is basically just that, our spiritual growth. God cares very much about our spiritual growth. In fact, we believe that God's number one purpose in your life is to make you like Jesus. The Bible tells us in Romans 8:29, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And in Ephesians 4.15, it says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is head of his body, the church. Today's message is titled, Transformed Through Trouble, because that's exactly what happens when we have significant challenges in our lives. We change. Something inside of us changes when we experience challenges and pain. And we have the option to either change for the better or change for the worse. We either grow better or bitter. We either get stronger or weaker. Do I want to be a victor or a victim? We get to choose which direction we want to go. Are we going to become more like Jesus in the journey? Now, before we dive deeper into this morning, let's go to the throne of grace and ask for help there. Heavenly Father, we rejoice in your sovereignty and your love and your compassion and your desire for our growth. And we acknowledge, God, that it's hard, and sometimes we're not good at it. But that's where you come in. So enter in today, Lord. Enter into our mess. Enter into our grief and our pain to draw us closer and to make us more like your Son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we ask. Amen. Now, I think most of us would rather avoid painful and difficult challenges whenever possible. Um, can I see a hand up if that's true? Yeah, yeah. Um, those of you online can comment in the chat feature. Um, is there anyone in, in the audience who just loves to experience pain in hard places? Well, you'd be a freak. So <laughs> the truth is, 
our sanctification process has a purpose. And one reason we have difficult times is because they are an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity for us to become more like Jesus. And that is the ultimate goal for our lives because becoming like Jesus is what brings glory to God. Every day, we should be conforming more and more to the character of Christ. And sometimes the process can feel soul-crushing when we're grieving, but we press in and we push through because the ultimate goal of our life is to glorify God. And the best way to do that is to become more and more like Jesus. Another way that God grows us is by developing the fruits of the Spirit during difficult times. I mean, take love. We learn more about how to really love well with the difficult people in our lives, not the easy people. I mean, anyone can love the easy people, but the harder ones, it takes learning how to love like Jesus for us to do that. How about joy? We learn how to have true joy in the difficult times. Joy is a state of being that is not influenced by our circumstance. We, we learn how to have joy in harder times as we experience the faithfulness of God through them. Peace. We learn peace by practicing how to handle stress and conflict. Patience. Let's not talk about that one, because every time I pray for patience, I get an opportunity to practice, and ain't nobody got time for that. God uses lots of things to help us grow and be more like him, and today I want to look at four. We'll talk about these four things, and then in a bit we'll move to some action points. But first, let's look at four things that God uses to help us grow to be more like Jesus. Number one, God uses the Holy Spirit. As believers, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit who comes in to reside in our hearts at the time that we surrender our lives to Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit inside of us who produces the fruits of the Spirit. Say it with me. Love, joy, peace, patience, <laughs> kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, your favorite and mine, self-control. So the first way we become like Jesus is to allow the Holy Spirit to live through us. When we allow the Holy Spirit to live through us, we learn to live with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And some of these fruits are in higher quality and quantity than other fruits. When we engage with the Holy Spirit's work in our life, growth happens. And we experience more of who God is in us. In her book, Don't Miss Out, Daring to Believe Life is Better with the Holy Spirit, Jeannie Cunyon writes, the extent to which we are willing to engage with the Spirit of God is the extent to which we will encounter the fullness of God. The second thing that God uses to make us more like Jesus is his word. And we become like Jesus through the word of God. And you've heard us say many times that the number one catalyst to spiritual growth is being in the word of God. Nothing grows us and helps us to be more like Jesus than being in God's Word. Words are powerful. Our words are powerful. 
We can build up or we can destroy one another with our words. How much more powerful are the words of God? God's word is living and active and it changes our lives. It's the truth of God's word that transforms us. It is in God's word that we learn who Jesus is and what it means to be more like him. You're going to become like whoever you spend the most time with. We spend time with God in prayer, but the most transformational time that we can spend with God is in his word. When we spend time in God's word, we see who Jesus is, how he thinks, how he acts, what he, his priorities are, and we learn how to love and give grace and be patient and kind. The list goes on and on. It is in God's word that we become more aware of how God is working in our lives instead of focusing on ourselves and our plans. Our culture today leans toward self-focus. It is focused on my feelings, my plans, my desires, my this and my that. What is going to make me happy? And when we put our focus more on God's word than self, that's when the real transformation happens. It's where we get better at thinking like, acting like, being like Jesus. A third thing that God uses to make us more like Jesus is my favorite and yours, other people. God uses other people. and Sometimes we like that and sometimes we don't. But the fact is that God does use others to encourage us and to teach us and to challenge us to be more like Jesus. And just between you and me, I think I have a few people in my life that give God a real bang for his buck. The truth is, we find out who we really are in relationship with others. We find out who is really at the throne of our lives when other people are involved. In fact, we don't always need it to be an actual relationship to find out who we really are inside. We can find out just by being around other people. It's so easy to put self on the throne and throw away grace, just throw it out the window with other people. But remember, God uses others to sharpen us. I mean, have you ever tried to cut a tomato with a dull blade? or tried to cut down a tree with a dull axe. Sharpening a blade takes grinding and sometimes sparks fly. But if the blade remains against the grind, it becomes sharp. It is then ready to be used by its maker. And remember, sometimes you're the guy. You are that guy. You are the one who's making, the making it difficult for someone else. You're the one causing the sparks to fly. God sharpens us and teaches us the grace, forgiveness, and love of Christ using other people in our lives. And the fourth way that God uses to grow us um, is to be more like Jesus is our topic for today. God makes you like Jesus through challenges, through pressure, and even through suffering. God grows us in the difficult times. And let's look at what 2 Corinthians 4.8 says about it. 
We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. We have a great opportunity for growth in troubled times. And even though it feels terrible at the moment or the week or the year or whatever, we can choose to experience God in and through the challenges and allow him to grow us however he sees fit. Our difficult times can be put to good use. And it doesn't feel like it at the time, but the truth of Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Every problem we encounter, every challenge we experience, every trouble we go through is an opportunity for growth, an opportunity for sanctification in our lives. God will use each of our troubles to transform us. And I'm, I'm sure that me pointing that out doesn't necessarily make you want to bring out your palms, palms and cheer for difficulty. One of the most important promises in the Bible comes in Romans 8:28, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are a, called according to his purpose for them. Now, this verse is often misunderstood, so let's, let's unpack it together. First, it says, we know. In other words, we don't think, pretend, guess. We know for sure. We know for sure that God causes. We know that God causes. There's a grand design behind everything. Our lives are not an accident. And, and the next phrase in the verse is everything to work together. We know that God causes everything to work together. This includes good and bad, all of our sins and mistakes and hurts. It does not say that everything that happens is good. It says that God uses everything together for good. There's nothing that God can't use for good in our lives. And hard fact this promise is for those who love God. Now, I don't mean love God like I love chocolate or I love the beach. There's a difference between loving God and surrendering my life to God. The kind of love that God is talking about here is a surrendered life. You may say you love God, but have you surrendered your life to him totally? This is not a promise for those who don't surrender their lives to him. It is for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them, his redemptive 
purpose. God's plan is to transform us all, to redeem all the stuff we go through. However, if you've not chosen to enter into a redemptive relationship with Jesus, he will not force you to receive his redemptive gift. Our purpose is to become more like Christ. So we trust that God uses everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, to help us grow. It takes all the ingredients to make our lives complete. Now, I like cake. Uh, my favorite cake is cherry chip, and you can't find that in the store anymore. So a couple of years ago, uh, my husband, Tony, baked from scratch a cherry chip cake for my birthday. Um, it was awesome. Uh, Brenda Hyder makes an awesome coconut cake. Oh my gosh, so good. Anyway, I don't like um, baking soda. I, I don't love to eat salt or flour or raw eggs or drink oil. But I love cake. And if any of those ingredients were left out, it wouldn't be a cake. Um, I don't like those things individually, but I love them together. A cake wouldn't be a cake without all of the ingredients. And I don't know all of the science behind what makes a cake a cake, and I don't particularly care why these particular ingredients and these particular measure, measurements at this particular temperature come together to make such a good cake. That's the recipe. But when it comes to my life's recipe, many times I do want to know why and how these ingredients come together to make something good. Why do I need baking soda? It tastes terrible. Why the oil? It's, it's making me gag. Why this, God? Why now, God? We can ask the question why, and maybe we get an answer in this life, and maybe we don't. That is part of God's sovereignty. That's part of faith, that we trust him even if we don't get the answer or even if we don't get the answer that we want. We must remember that God specializes in bringing good out of bad. He's in the business of healing our hearts and growing us closer to him. But we have to be willing to participate in the process, and the recipe includes grieving our pain in a healthy way. So, what are some healthy choices I can make in times of trouble and grief? Well, one, remember that God's plan is good. And we just unpacked uh, that God brings all things together for our good when we love him. There are many examples in the Bible where someone had great struggle and pain and God brought good out of all of it. I mean, look at Joseph. He had 10 brothers that were jealous of him, so they sold him into slavery. Joseph was taken away from his family and into Egypt as a slave. Even though he did nothing wrong, bad things just kept happening to him. He even goes to prison as an innocent man the first 40 years of his life were filled with pain. Even so, 
God took all of that and used Joseph in a big way. Joseph eventually becomes the number two guy in the leadership of Egypt. And because of that, he's able to keep Israel and Egypt from starving during a famine. Joseph recognizes God's hand when he says to his brothers regarding their cruelty to him in Genesis 50, 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. God used Joseph's trials and made something very good out of them. And I'm sure that during the struggle, Joseph may have some questions and about reason and timing, but notice where he lands. He knows that God had a plan, and God's plan was for good. So first I remember that God's plan is good. The second thing I do is rejoice and give thanks. Now, we're told in 1 Thessalonians to be thankful in all circumstances. It does not say that we have to be thankful for the specific circumstance, but we are to be thankful in all circumstances. God does not expect us to be thankful for evil or for pain, but we are called to be thankful in it. We can be thankful because we know that God sees us. God loves us. God is with us, and he cares about our pain. God has the power to heal us, and we know that God will use our pain for good. In Philippians, Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. I rejoice in the Lord not necessarily in my circumstances. Maybe I need to pray or write out a lament like Chris talked about a couple of weeks ago. I can cry out to God and complain about the circumstances and at the same time be thankful for who God is in my life. If you miss that message or any of the messages in this series, they're, they're available on the website. So I remember God's plan is good. I rejoice in the Lord and give thanks. And number three, refuse to give up. Refuse to give up. We can't give up. God has a plan for our good, and he has a plan for our growth in the process. Remember that sanctification is a process. It's, it's a journey that we are on all of our lives here on earth. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's really, really hard. Don't give up. James says in, verse, in chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, perfect and complete, needing nothing. It is not uncommon for us to want to bypass the test the endurance is building and the growth process and get straight to the feel better part of the journey. I mean, I'll go as far to say that sometimes we will do just about anything to avoid the pain and do whatever it takes to move straight to the feel better. Maybe it's self-medicating with a substance 
or shopping or food or porn or an affair. That's just the short list. The bottom line is that the only feeling that we like feeling is feeling good. You know the phrase, it feels good, do it. Pain doesn't feel good. So our tendency is to rush past it, go around it, avoid it at whatever cost, but not to press through it. Let's look at the pain of a loved one dying as an example. When someone is dying, it can be both beautiful and extremely difficult. And for some, it can be almost unbearable. Unbearable to the point that they want to speed things along. Now, I am not sharing this story to stir up political views on assisted passing. I'm sharing this story because in so many cases of challenge, we want God to hurry up and get on with it so that we can hurry up and move out of our discomfort. That we can hurry up and move to the next step because surely it has to be better than this one. People sometimes actually rush the death of a loved one by giving higher doses of certain meds that stop breathing. Now, granted, these medications are also the ones that keep a patient comfortable during the dying process. And it's not uncommon for those doses to increase as needed. But I've been in situations where people actually want to go ahead and help things along. This is just too hard for me. Make it stop. And I'm not going to dive into the morality of the issue. That isn't the point of the message. My point is, what does God have for us in the last, hardest part? When we take things into our own hands and speed along the process, it's most often because we don't want to experience the pain. We want it to be done. And sometimes the process takes much longer than we expected. God's timing is almost always very different from ours. This is also why we enable loved ones who have substance abuse issues. We can't bear the thought that they would be on the street if I don't give them money that they're asking for. So we fund their addiction. We do that because we are afraid and we can't stand the pain. But what does God have for us in the last hardest part? We know from what we've seen in Scripture today that he has a good plan for our lives and that he wants us to become more like Christ. God is using your pain. He's using my pain. And you can trust his heart for you and his timing. Don't give up. Go the last hardest mile. You're not doing it alone. Jesus sees you. Jesus loves you. He's with you. We love you too. Reach out. Reach out to us if you need help. We want to encourage you and pray with you. And Don't give up. You are loved. God has a greater plan. He has a greater purpose for every problem in our lives. Although we cannot control what happens to us, we can control how we respond to it. 
And I pray that you will respond in faith, that you are grateful, for the, grateful in the circumstances and rejoice in the Lord always, that you will focus on the eternal reward to come. Don't have short-term thinking. God is building character in our lives. Let's care more about who we are becoming than what we're going through. And next week, John is going to take another look at this stage of sanctification, but for today, I leave you with this. When I am experiencing trouble, I have two choices. You have two choices. We can pray, Lord, make this easy. Or we can pray, Lord, I'm all in. I know you've got this, and I'm willing to surrender to the growth that you have in store for me. Use this to make me more like you. Here's the deal. We will all have pain. We will all have challenge. And some of those challenges seem unsurmountable. That's a fact of life here on earth. But it doesn't end there. When we understand that God is not in it to make us uncomfortable, but to refine us and make us more like Christ, things begin to make more sense in our lives. So instead of asking why this is happening to me, how about we ask the question, what do you want me to learn, Lord? How can I become more like you? How will you bring good out of this bad in my life? Now, after the service, John and I are going to be up here because there are some who might need prayer for their situation, but there's also some who don't know what that redemptive gift looks like. A relationship with Jesus Christ looks like. So after worship, we're going to enter into worship together now. And then if you'd like prayer, we'll be up hereafter. All right? Those of you online... Enter into the chat. We've got a host that's going to connect with you. I would like to connect with you. Uh, let's pray. God, we thank you that you're a big God. We thank, you, we thank you that you're for us and you're with us and you see us and you love us. Help us to pray, press in to what you're doing in our lives not to rush through it or jump over it or go around or under, but to journey through with you as you work the process of growth in our lives because we trust you, we love you, and that you, we know that you're for our good. In Jesus' precious, holy name, all the people said, Amen. Amen. Once again, thank you for joining us in worship today. Please reach out if you have any questions or want help on your spiritual journey. My email address is on the screen or you can call the church during the week. Thank you for your financial support of our ministries. God does great things in people's lives because of your faithfulness. If you're just checking us out today, please know that we don't expect you to give anything to support Dayspring. That is the responsibility of our Dayspringers just enjoy the rest of your day. If you'd like to start giving, we have three easy ways for you to get us your gift. 
please see the online giving section of our website or text GIVE to the number on your screen or mail a check to us at the address you'll find on our website. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe, like, and share this service wherever you watch it. The message of Jesus is too good to keep to ourselves. He is the best answer to all of life's challenges. We'll see you next week. Go in the grace of God.